0: Episode of First Strike. I'm your host KYT. Before we get to the show, just want to plug our sponsor FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic: The Gathering singles, especially if you're Canada, sweet shipping, and there's even in-store pickup options if you're in Toronto or in Montreal because we got locations in both places. Today we got Rob and Brian, my two bros as usual, and we got a special guest tonight. We got Dan Muster, SCG Syracuse champion almost back-to-back champion.
1: I tried real hard. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be.
0: And as you can see from his background, if you're watching the video version, <laughs> an enthusiast of many different other games, right, Dan?
1: Uh, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy some, some Pokemons. I enjoy, uh, there's this smaller game called Force of Will. It's named after a magic card, obviously. Uh, and you probably see some cats running around, too. I have two cats. <laughs> They're doing their best to be in the video. <laughs>
0: Force of Will, Like, when Force of Will came, it's one of the, since, I guess, to me, since maybe Yu-Gi-Oh came out, mm-hmm. and Force of Will came with a lot of hype, oh, and yeah. sustained uh, for quite a, longer than I expected for any new game, because any new game in this world is just extremely challenging to break in, and it just seemed like you fell in love with it, because when I tried to do some Google search on, on what you've done lately, I saw you on, like, the Force of Will podcast,
1: yeah, yeah, I uh I got into the game real quick. uh I don't know about Canada, but it came into the the states around 2015-ish area, right? Maybe at the tail end, they had their own Grand Prix circuit. They had uh essentially a world championship over in Japan, uh and you know, it, Alter Reality Games, which is the biggest Yu-Gi-Oh kind of like independent tournament series, was starting to run their things. They were doing coverage. I watched some coverage. I got a little hooked. I'm like, this game looks kind of cool. Plays a little bit like Magic. Uh, some people in my local area were playing it, picked it up. I, I watched some coverage, which was awful, because, I mean, they just had, like, a camera on the thing and some random guy talking over it. It was really bad. And the, and the players, this is not to like demean players in any way, it's just coming from a, a Magic background where, you know, we've been playing for years, we play, you know, 15-round tournaments, our tournament stamina is pretty high, like, these people were just, like, worn down in the top eight, they were just making mistakes and stuff, and I was like, this looks like an easy way to win a trip to Japan, I've always wanted to go. And so I learned how to play the game and then I won a trip to Japan. So.
0: <laughs> wow. So you actually excelled in the other game as well.
1: Yeah. If you have a good tournament background and you've played Magic, which is like, you know, pretty much the king of these card games, you, uh, you can, you can probably enter some of these easier uh, newer card games and do quite well for yourself. So sweet, sweet.
0: Actually, let's go back way back for, for, from Magic. Like I heard of you because I'm friends I've been friends, I guess, online friends with Adam Jurcich for oh yeah, maybe over 10, 10 years, uh, met him through, I believe, all the way, maybe in the Magic League days, but okay. really long time. Um, Adam was one of the first contributors to, to my website, and then um, I heard that you're, you're friends with Shaheen as well. And it just seemed like every mothership article has like, oh, Dan Muster's on the cusp of success. He's like on the edge, <laughs> almost about to break through. He's someone that his friends compare to Steve Rubin, and, and people think he's one of the best local players. Um, yeah, tell, tell me about that. Is, is that something you've been, you've been grinding magic for a while and just like waiting for that
1: breakthrough? I don't really have a, a moment or a goal for any sort of breakthroughs. I don't, you know, I don't strive to get like... I like to go to a pro tour every once in a while, especially if they're in awesome locations. It was unfortunate last year's pro tours were all in places I had already played pro tours in uh, or just incidentally been to. Uh, so I wasn't really hyped to go to Hawaii or Dublin or Japan because I'd already been to all those places. No, not trying to humble brag or anything. I just, I get a lot more fire when it's to a place where I've never been. Uh, so I don't know. I've, I've played in something like eight or nine pro tours. I don't, I don't remember. Um, I don't know. What do you mean? Like, so breakthrough, like hit gold and try and get on that gravy train <laughs> something like that
0: well in the in the interview uh this was probably in 2015 you said mm-hmm. like you know your goal just to to be make it to one or two pro tours a year right yeah was for- that,
1: that, that was the i think mark mark uh mark wrote that on, on the mothership when i top eighted the my only gp top eight uh yeah that was that was an awesome moment and i didn't really you know i don't i don't play like a ton a week, I don't play a lot during the week I really just play at these things on the weekends uh, so I don't have like a, you know, i I'm going to grind out for like three weeks straight and test for this Pro Tour uh, I've, I've tested with a couple Pro Tour teams and it is not fun, it is you're, you're locking yourself in a room for 14 hours a day and you're playing Magic and you're trying to get all, this, all these formats down and uh, that's not my idea of, of fun I want to go and I want to see the place and I want to have fun with my friends and I want to meet cool new people um, and if success happens in the card game then that's great too but uh, it's not like my, my number one priority when I play.
0: All right. Uh, well, I love that mentality. And then I mentioned, uh... <laughs> Brian's distracted by the cats. Um, <laughs> I mentioned uh, just hearing about you and reading about you, just seemed like known as a local ringer. But I first knew you from, um, I think you had success. I don't remember. You had success with an abs analyst, maybe one. Maybe an MTGO event, even or, or like a big event PTQ, and then um, I just asked you a few questions, and that allowed me to win my second PTQ to qualify me for um, a pro tour, which ended up being Origins. I had to like defer it to Origins, but mm-hmm. uh, definitely helped
1: me out. Yeah, that sounds like an Abzan uh, Modern deck after the ban Deathrite Shaman. When we get seed, I think we got Seed Rhino. Uh, maybe um, yeah, I think I won like a, a Columbus PTQ that was also like a 1K or something. Uh, yeah. I think that's when we talked about the right timing.
0: (laughs) And now from what I feel is like local ring or whatever, like to, to this SCG master, um, as you've almost went back to back, uh, wins Mm -hmm. and you've had success at the SCG circuit multiple times. It's not like, um, but, uh, seeing you champion the deck and a lot of people like when someone does really well in two events with the same deck, they're just like, oh man, they're, they're just this master of this Eldrazi Tron deck. like, are you, or did you just well, pick it up prior to this uh, run?
1: I don't know if it's Eldrazi Tron exactly, but I actually have. So these are like two top eights with Eldrazi Tron. Before this, I top eighted two other SCG two-day opens with Bant Eldrazi. So I just like the Eldrazi's. I think uh, it's like the last four sing uh, the last four modern opens that I played in uh, that were. Uh, single player. They weren't I played in a bunch of these team things and those haven't gone that great. But uh the uh yeah the last four individual ones I think that I've played Eldrazi and I've top aided them all, which is great for me. But uh I don't know. I just I like casting you know Thought Out here's is just a great card. It's just exactly what you want. I, I always liked the thought like we talked about Abzan, I liked thoughts seasing people and playing a Tarmagoyf. Well why wouldn't you just do those on one card and it costs technically less mana sometimes. <laughs> right. Now. It costs two lands instead of say like three. So yeah, but I don't why, know. I like a thought nuts here.
0: Why the shift, but from Bat to Eldrazi then?
1: That's a good question. Uh, so with Death Shadow becoming more popular, I wanted to take a um, be a deck that had like really really good nut draws, um, and be extremely proactive uh, with a little bit of disruption. So there's not much disruption in an Eldrazi Tron, uh, but you are very proactive, and your nut draws are really, really good. Um, I'm a big fan of mulliganing, and I, I mulligan a lot with the deck, and a lot of people are like, "This these hands do nothing. I have no Tron lands, I have no Eldrazi lands. You just got to go to five sometimes, and, and you'll, you know, two Tron lands in a map with a scry is just great. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that the, taking the Bantel Eldrazi deck needs a little bit too much more to go right, and it's a little bit easier to fight. It's a little more fair. It's more mid-range. And with uh, the blue Grixis Death Shadow decks are going to grind you out, I think. Um, you want to be doing something unfair some of the time and Eldrazi Tron can do some unfair things.
0: Brian, I'm just going to have you jump in. You were trying with one arm to test Eldrazi Tron <laughs> due to the surgery. Um, what were your issues
2: with the deck? Like you, you just didn't feel right about it. So, it's not my style, first of all. I think that you are hyper-dependent on the texture of your opening hand, uh, like Dan said, one of the things I identified very quickly is that you have to mulligan a lot. Um, but there comes a point where I dislike losing that level of control. Like I'd, I'd rather keep like a sketchy one lender that has serum visions, and to me that feels like having more control than going to like five or four. Um, but I, I do see the merits of the deck. Like the nut draws are absolutely preposterous, like probably the most powerful thing in the format when you're just doing your thing. I think that, and you know, Dan kind of his recent success is refuting this to some extent, but I do think like some metagames, especially when it comes to modern lag behind a little bit and open metagames, especially. So in comparison to something like the magic online metagame, it's probably pushed a little back. I, I think once Eldrazi's Tron starts wearing a target, like, there's dedicated sideboard slots for Eldrazi Tron now. And that's not a position the deck was previously in. Um, and, and I think as that happens, this deck is going to start trending back down. Because um, it is vulnerable to a lot of different cards, and like Ceremonies, Ceremonious Rejection is an awesome card against you. Um, wow. All the blue decks have access to it. It's very easy, and you think about a deck like you know Death Shadow, which has Snapcaster Mage Ceremonious Rejection, obviously you have ways to mitigate that. You have Chalice, you have uh, relic so it's not like you're without a plan Cavern still, of soul. yeah cabin of souls sure but it's still a super um powerful plan against you whereas okay. you know if you go back a month nobody had dedicated aldrazi tron hate like you got some splash hate from various cards but it wasn't like they were targeting your deck and, and now i think they are so i would be a little cooler on aldrazi tron in, in the coming weeks i don't think it will bear that cross really well but that being said i, I see why it kind of I want to say wedged, but more like hammered its way into tier one. Like it just absolutely, you know, kind of blew up out of nowhere. Where it was this fringe deck that, you know, we joked about for weeks and weeks on this cast, kind of a uh, naysaying Eldrazi Tron. And the same issues I've had with the deck are still there. Nothing's changed. It does feel very draw dependent and isn't my style, but I do see why I was able to carve out this niche in uh, the metagame for this period. Um, and it's been kind of interesting to see a deck that, I mean, I guess this happens a lot in Modern, but maybe not to this extent. It was just a deck that was very clearly, like, relegated to the lower tiers and not something people were interested in. And if you wanted to play Eldrazi, you played Ban Eldrazi. And if you wanted to play Tron, you played Green-Red Tron, Green-White Tron. You know, one of those derivatives. Um, and the combination, the mishmash, was kind of laughed at because it is kind of silly. Like, it's a lot of oh, cards
1: yeah. that don't fit together. Karn and Reality Smasher? What are these two doing together? Yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> um, but it, it's been interesting to see the deck come to fruition. And uh, while it's not for me, I, I do have respect for the archetype much more than I did in the past.
0: Uh, Dan, why, why do you think that... Uh, I, I think Brian alluded to, to some of it, but I wanted your take on... Why do you think that like a lot of pros look down on the deck as if it required absolutely no skill?
1: Uh, most Most people... You know, ramp, ramp decks like even like like a green escape shift decks. Those are those are just dumb little kid decks. A lot of the time you just play the cards that you're dealt. Like like you said, you you don't have control too much over what you draw. Uh, you just you just do what your cards <laughs> tell you to do. Anyone can do that, right? Any 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 donkey with some hands. So, uh, yeah, no, I understand where everyone's coming from when they say something like that. Uh, you know, there's no and Visions, There's no thought scours. There's no thoughts. Well. You know, thought thought Seer takes a lot. I think a lot of skill to use. It's not, you know, it's a thoughtzie. So thought is like one of the hardest cards to play with effectively. Uh, I've uh, in the in the last couple of tournaments on, on camera even like you can watch my Eldrazi Tron opponents uh, in the finals of the Syracuse tournament and in the the win and into the last tournament. You watch both my opponents have turned three Tron and still uh, they make mistakes. They they misplay. They they don't play optimally. They're Mismanaging the Walking Blist. The Walking Blist is the hard, like, one of the hardest cards to use in that deck. You don't know if you should pump it, if you should burn it on something, if you should play it early, if you should wait until you have 10 mana. Like, it's one of the harder cards to play with. And they both ended up mismanaging it, and I somehow clawed uh, victory from what I thought was going to be certain defeat. Uh, and yeah, there, besides maybe those couple things and, and the mulliganing process where you know, you, have to, you have to keep a hand that has some sort of plan, uh, and you, you have to not be afraid to mulligan, uh, there are not too many more choices. If you have like Temple, Temple, now you're going to do that. If you have, you know, two Eldrazi, two Tron lands, and you have the map, you're going to do that. You're going to play, you know, your Smasher and your, or your Mattery Shaper and your Eldrazi. Uh, I don't know. You're going to you're going to do what your hand tells you to do. It's not too hard, aside from a couple key points. But I understand where people are coming from. Yeah, you can, you know, say, "Oh, it's just a little little kid deck. It's a <laughs> silly person deck." But it's it's extremely powerful. So. Do something powerful and modern.
0: Everyone that loses to it will just like go up to someone's like, "Oh yeah, he went turn three Tron or whatever." Yeah. It's always like, "No natural credit Tron. to <laughs> natural yeah. Tron, no credit yeah. to the pilot at all."
1: Um, yeah, sometimes you have, you put those. You, your deck is very restricted, though. Like you you have to play some really crappy cards to make a colorless deck work, and that's the the cost there. So you're paid off in some of your draws, uh, and the cost is you have to play some really crappy cards.
0: Okay, well, I got some questions from, from people in our nation, and one of them has to do with luck, uh, because it's just, <laughs> it just makes me laugh when I read it. To win with Eldrazi Tron, Dan, do you basically have to
1: dodge affinity? <laughs> uh, you don't have to dodge affinity, you just need to dodge their nut draw, pretty much. Uh, you have a good amount of interaction with Ghost Quarter on some of their harder-to-block things, uh, their lands, and uh, Chalice is pretty bad. Uh, if you're on the play, you can put it on zero, which is actually pretty effective. Uh, their mox draws are what really gets you mox might be probably the best card in their deck uh, than cranial plating, I think. Uh, after board you get a lot better. But yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty hard to match up. You have to you're gonna play it once a, a tournament at least two because it's the most popular deck, I think, or close to it behind Death Shadow. Uh, and you have to pray that you when you hit them, you are not hitting them when they're doing you know the most their most broken things.
0: Um this was an interesting one. Love your thoughts. Um, do you make sure not to side in artifacts with activate abilities when you play against someone who might side in Stony Silence?
1: My main—that's de- the whole one of the biggest reasons um, you notice uh in, in the list I played at Syracuse, I cut the 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 mana the mana stone uh, Mind stone uh, because it it's hit by that. And then uh, I was getting tired of losing to that card after board. I have just had too many artifacts that had to activate so. It's very, very prevalent in my sideboarding strategies. You know, if I want to board in Relic of Progenitus or Ratchet Bomb against a white deck, I have to be careful to make sure I don't have too many of those kinds of things going in at the same time. So yeah, definitely. Whoever said that, they're very smart.
0: So you would do it, you would be careful if you just, as long as they had white and they, they probably have it.
1: Yeah, I, if I, judge have the, I judge the effectiveness of these cards with that card, with Stony Silence in mind. I'd be like, okay, I don't want too many Ratchet Bombs or... Bassless collars or um, red looks. The progenitus I, I can't remember what else has out of credibility. So the ballista is okay still because uh, it can still just be a big guy. Uh, you know, if you can't use it, you can't use it. But uh, yeah, definitely It's in my mind. Even if I've never seen it, and it's, they're white.
0: Okay, uh, two more questions. One is like, do you actually like Ulamog? Some people think they have trouble casting it. Some old oh, drowsy enthusiasts.
1: Yeah. So I put it in uh, expecting. Uh, so I put it in for the last open, expecting, you know, not wanting to... ships a hard matchup. Uh, the mirror is pretty, you know, I wanted to go over the top of the mirror. And regular Tron's a really hard matchup. Like, the the Naptor uh, with no Eldrazi's in it. Uh, and then Illumok's pretty good against all those. And I, I knew I wanted to cut the Mind Stones. People were like, oh, you're cutting mana ramp for this 10 drop. Uh, that card wasn't going to help you cast your 10 drop anyway. It was one mana. Like, <laughs> you're either going to have 10, 20 mana or... You know, four. So, that's not going to really help you out too much, and I don't think that's a, a correct argument. But, uh, I, d- I like the Ulamaga do. I know people say it's hard to cast, sometimes it rots in your hand, but you sometimes need an out to some things that are very, very hard to get out of. Um, and that gives you a nice... And it's not too hard to put a Sanctum of Boogie in your deck, and then you, you can cast an All's Dust and go tutor for it, you can cast a Walking so you can just randomly cast a Giant Chalice and go tutor for it. So it actually... Uh, I tutored for it a few times, and it was nice. Yeah. Okay. Last one from,
0: from uh, the, the comments would be, uh, how satisfied are you with Surgical Extraction in your list? <laughs> uh, I hate the whole sideboard. So
1: <laughs> okay. The whole sideboard's terrible. You can't really do much with the color sideboard, You know You're very okay. restricted. Uh, some of the graveyard hate stuff is great, but outside of that, like Ratchet is Super Medium, another Bacillus Collar, whatever, Hangerback Walker, who's this guy? Like, these cards are all just kind of crappy. So you're, like I was saying, your Tron matchup and your escape Ship matched up really bad. You know, I don't know what the percentage is, maybe like 30, 70 game one or something. And then it's, you know, they don't improve much board and you don't improve much in your board. But if you have this small plan of maybe being able to search for a ghost quarter and ghost quarter one of their valicuts and surgical it, you have a chance now. Like their deck has to play fair, they have to play six sixes, and that's pretty much it. Uh, Or the other deck has to play seven mana cards instead of three mana cards. You know, it's, it gives you a chance and where you didn't really have one. And, and, and my, my argument for why it's okay is your cyborg is kind of just bad anyway, that you are allowed to now play some of these more narrow cards because you, you don't have, like, something it's taking, it's, it, it's taking a good spot for. Like, there wasn't, like, this awesome cyborg card that you're cutting for it. No, your whole cyborg kind of sucks. So it's not, it's not <laughs> a big deal if you have some more suckers in there.
0: <laughs> I love it. Rob, do you have any questions for, for Dan? Any comments on, on the uh, drowsy- archetype as a whole? And yeah, no, no, this sideboard
3: definitely
1: does suck. <laughs> yeah,
0: yes,
1: awful. Um, people over sideboard all the time.
3: <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. So, like, I guess in the matchups, you're looking to do like at most uh, a four card swap, I guess. Which like, kind of
1: Is any period like,
3: like the worst matchup where you're like boarding in the most amount of cards? It's like oh, okay, you're, you're um, playing, uh, four for four or something. like some you're matches. never bringing in like eight cards or something, right? Given I guess how this looks.
1: You know, like if I play the mirror. You know, I don't want any Chalices or Walking or all this dust. That's six cards I got to take out. I got to somehow jam six of these crappers in my sideboard in because those cards literally do nothing. You know, I was putting Warping Whale in for a ramp. Um, but I'll say yeah. that, uh, when, I
2: think- when I played the deck, I noticed that like it wasn't so much that I wanted sideboard cards. It's that, oh, I have eight dead cards in my main deck that like I'm willing to play these. Like, like I literally had Warping Whales in postboard games because I might be able to get one mana out of it. And oh, yeah. that was pretty much its only application. Or because blocked. the other cards were just completely Yeah, or a chump lock. The other cards were just <laughs> completely dead, so you have no choice.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, Well, that's what—that's uh, the beauty. Uh, well, not the beauty, but that's the deck. You know, you play some cards that are amazing in some matchups and do nothing in other matchups. You know, Chalice is super great against a bunch of decks, but it's also you know, awful against a bunch of decks. Same with all this stuff. You play against Affinity, Cullis deck, you're just going to be uh, that's, that's so awful. Um, but, you know, you do, you can. Yeah, like I said, you have to play some really crappy cards if you want to have seven man on turn three sometimes.
0: <laughs> Brian, what, what do you think would be, uh, like, it's the start of the modern PPTQ season, and I'm not sure people are, like, gravitating towards uh, Tron because of these results and that you should play Tron or Escape, have, like as a result of, of, of these uh, top eights deckless, I think, but actually, let's. I'll go with you, Dan. First, if you if you had like a PPTQ this upcoming weekend, uh, what would you play?
1: Well, luckily, Wizards implemented this thing called Bronze, and I was. Oh yeah, right. You don't somehow, have. To somehow hit Bronze. I was I was Silver last year and fell to Bronze. But uh, if I had to if I had to play in PTQs, I would I would probably play this deck. Yeah, I don't know. I just have a lot of reps in with random Seer decks and. Uh, it's not like I started with Tron and went to this deck. I started with the other El deck and went to this deck. Right, so I don't think I would ever play regular Tron. Maybe, I, maybe I would. I don't know. But uh, yeah, this uh, modern is so many decks. You know, uh, I think I remember you guys talking about it. I've played in, you know, over the last two weeks, I played in like something like thirty-two rounds or something. I don't know, but I've played. Is it thirty-two? I don't know, but uh, maybe like the same deck has only shown up. I think twice is the, my most the most uh moded deck you know i played against affinity i think twice i played against Escape Shift twice i played against death shadow twice I Played against the mirror like twice um other than that like you just have so many different decks you can play against it's it's unreal right um. <laughs> so I, it's so hard to say like I, I think this is a format where you just play a deck that you know is powerful get really good at it know it inside and out you have to know the format you have to know how to play against every deck uh but you don't have to play every deck. You, know? you just gotta get real good with your deck. I don't think it's a deck you should be switching... a format you should be switching decks every week, even though some people do. I just don't think that. I think it's more like Legacy, where you, you get good at your thing, and you just try and exploit that.
2: All right. Brian? Uh, I agree that that's now the correct approach to Modern. I think there was a time where you could argue like that metagaming made more sense, and you can shift from week to week. Um, that's not correct any longer. You just need to have your deck have mastery of it. I wouldn't choose Eldrazi Tron because, like I previously mentioned, I have issues just with the archetype, you know, its style as a whole, but I also feel like I'm feel like i giving up too much of my skill edge, and maybe that's just like, it could be the fact I'm not very good with the deck. I mean, I, I feel like I pick up decks very quickly, so I don't think that's it, but like I played a, I played a PPTQ with the deck yesterday, um, and I lost to an Elf player who actually played very well, and my inexperience cost me, I like, kept the chalice hand, um, where it just wasn't very good against elves actually at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, going back, I would have mulliganed totally differently, so I'll put the blame on myself for that game. But the second game I lost, it was a mirror. I'm, I'm not disparaging the guy, but <laughs> he, he literally didn't know the Pro Tour existed. Like, he was somehow at a PPTQ, but he didn't know what the Pro Tour was. So that's just giving you like a level, like mm-hmm. that's where he's he playing in
1: his local event, you
2: know? Exactly. In a booster box with him. Yeah, no, that's exactly. <laughs> there was an
3: advertisement, time. Brian. He saw it, you know, last week at FNM. Yeah, correct. And we, played,
2: we played the Eldrazi Tron Mirror, <laughs> and he beat the crap out of me, <laughs> like you know, two Eldrazi Temples into Thought mm-hmm. Seer, into Reality Smasher, and I was like, well, I don't know if I can sign myself up for this over an extended period of time. So, so me personally. I would keep playing Death Shadow. If my arm was functional, I would have played Death Shadow yesterday. But I have this lovely, lovely brace on still for you people who can see it. So I can't really shuffle. And that's oh, how just, I got interested in Eldrazi Tron in the first place. You
1: just, get, you just get the Judge to shuffle for you. What do you mean? I know, I know but it looks like...
2: I just or your to nice opponent could do it. I know. I just don't want to do that. I don't know why. I'm being weird about it. I could just do that, I know. But um, I've, I, during this period of time, I've been forcing myself to try decks that shuffle less.
1: You know, the so, best card in your Eldrazi Tron deck is the card that shuffles bad. your deck. Yeah, yeah.
2: I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but it, at least it's only four of them. You're right. Um, and actually, that's a really interesting thing to mention. I my experience with the deck is that you mentioned walking ballista as the very skill testing card. I agree, mm-hmm. but I think the most skill testing card is map. Oh yeah. And I I think it's there's so many unintuitive uses that come up oh. and so many difficult decisions.
1: In my uh, early days uh, of that deck, I got burned so bad with that card. You would. Don't be afraid to leave it on the battlefield, like don't, don't yeah. think your like, you, you, you're going to hit a Seagate Wreckage or something and not be able to draw cards if you have one extra land in your hand, uh, it's, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's
2: true. True. So it was really interesting to, to kind of see that. So I, like I said, I did appreciate the deck, I felt like I learned a lot. For me, I would be playing Death Shadow. I think it's what benefits, um, first of all, my skill set, but just anyone who puts in a ton of reps with the deck, I think you get the most out of a ton of reps with Death Shadow. I think there's small sideboard customizations you can make because you see such a large percentage of your deck that really increase um, specific matchups, and you can kind of... There's still a lot of room for surprise plans and unique plans out of the Death Shadow decks. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that would be my piece of advice. But if you haven't played Death Shadow before, it's like, don't pick it up now. You're, you're not getting an edge from doing that. Like, if you've had something you have 100 rep- reps in, I don't care if it's Affinity, if it's Scape Shift, if it's Dredge, whatever it is, you're probably paid to just stay on that. There's like a couple exceptions where I think the state of the metagame, you're, you're kind of priced out of it. Things like Living End, I, I just don't see a place for Living End right now with Eldrazi Tron being one of the most popular decks and I, if there's a matchup that's like a slam dunk for Eldrazi Tron, I don't think it has a ton of slam dunk matchups, but that's the slam dunk matchup where <laughs> you just feel like you can never lose in a million years.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that's part of the reason I actually just cut all the relics from the main deck finally because I'm just like, everyone, everyone is, is... Playing with Razi people are main decking relics. It's gonna scare all these graveyard decks away. Yeah. You know, I don't need, I don't need this card.
2: No, I can totally see that. And you, and if you, even if you happen to lose game ones, you're gonna win game two and three. Like you have such good options against them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I mean that's like the only deck I would try and actively talk someone out of right now. But everything else is completely plausible, and and the format's still wide open.
0: Uh, Rob, any last words as we finish up on modern? I know we're, you're concentrating on standard mostly, but. Any last thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'd play Scape oh, yeah. <laughs> if I had a tournament coming up. I think that um, there's, like, so the deck is, is doing very well in recent events, especially on Moto. Um, it's probably the, the rise of, of decks like Eldrazi Tron um, and other non-interactive decks that just have a, a slower clock and are less goldfishy. That is the reason why this deck is doing well. But there's, like, no consensus on how to build this thing properly. Um, and I feel like if you just take a couple days, you can figure out what is the correct hour of promise build, um, and it should be a pretty easy tournament victory. I feel from there, because um, the decks are kind of a mess. Like they're running twenty-seven lands, <laughs> like three far seeks. I-, I don't know exactly what's going on, but uh, <laughs> I feel like there's some optimizations to be to be had, and the deck is already very good, and it looks very unoptimized. So. Um, that's that's what I'd be looking to tune this
0: week if I had an event coming up on the weekend. Sweet. Uh, so Dan, we're going to keep you around just because you have an RPTQ coming up, right? Oh yeah. Have you touched standard at all
1: recently? Oh, I've definitely touched it. I don't know about <laughs> how uh, well I've been touching it, but I've I've certainly <laughs> played some some standard. I just played a league right before this.
0: <laughs> oh, what would you play?
1: Uh, so every format I try. I try and play this stupid prized amalgam haunted dead deck with like cathartic reunions and all that kind of stuff. And uh, what do we get? Hollowed one this time around. So I tried it with that guy and uh, my friend 5-0 with it, but, uh, but I 2 threed with it. So I don't know. I'm just It's hard and uh, might not be good enough for me at least. So I'll keep, I'll keep trying. I really, I don't, I don't know what to play. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty lost here. I don't want to play uh, a zombies or a mono red really. Maybe more Zombies than Mono Red, but... I definitely wouldn't play Mono Red.
3: Uh,
0: I'll advise against that one. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Zombies is uh, fine. a fine choice. Uh, Rob, while playing the, the LCQ, and maybe, maybe we even said something like this before, I've heard people think how comment on how they felt Standard feels like Modern in the way that there's so many decks that where the percentages are pretty close. Would that be a fair assessment, Rob?
3: Yeah, I mean, so this format is very far from solved. And I think at this point, and it might be due to Wizards just, like, releasing a lot less info. So, like, you can see the format uh, getting stale much, much slower. Or it's just not able to get stale because people don't have the details that they would need to to figure out how to attack the metagame properly. Um, But, yeah, there are, like, a lot of viable decks, right? Like, Mono Red is still a good deck. It can still win... Events right zombies is good and there's multiple different iterations of it whether you're playing um like more five drops or boats in the main or you're playing eldrazi black or you're splashing blue for scarab god and like champion of wits and some other sweet spicy stuff um then you have like a bunch of different team or energy builds and then a bunch of random controlled decks, right like um, blue red and blue white approach and some grixis stuff that's showing up here and there um yeah and that's not to mention like all the god pharaoh's gift and blue white monument and all this other nonsense that's going on so um this oh and green black yeah i forgot about that deck <laughs> like all these decks are are reasonable right and they're all uh have very good matchups and they have very bad matchups um except for maybe like zombies and teamer i think both of those decks are like much closer to the middle um than uh, in their matchups than than a lot of the other decks um, so I, if I was looking to, to test for something soon, I would probably just try and get good at, at one of those two decks. And I've been on the teamer train for a little while now, and it seems to be ripping it up, even though I uh, was not as successful as I wanted to be last weekend uh, in, the,
0: in the mocks event. Well, well for me, like uh, I top forward in LCQ, it was a small tournament. There were only like 32 players. Um, I played the teamer list at one, the Mox, uh, two weeks ago. Not the one that Reduke Duke recently won with zombies. And uh, before picking it up, I remember Rob was saying either in our group chat or or in in the nation that Teamer was hard to play and that you really had to be careful and squeak every edge. And I I had the same after playing it a bunch in leagues to basically either average or above average results. And sitting down at the LCQ, not really excited. About any matchup that, that I really want to see, like I, but there's no matchup that I really hate to see either, so like the deck felt powerful, and I just liked uh, the options basically of the sideboard. I felt like whereas zombies I was just doing the same thing that people expected me to play or was pretty limited in terms of bringing in like the, the main adjustment was okay let's bring in murders and boats and use the murders to to try to win the boat war and whereas team Maria you have a lot of options in how exactly you want to go by like you your original list that i i tried had bounties of the luxa in the sideboard so you just completely change that so it gives a different feel and that's why i went with it and uh opponents would not necessarily know exactly like do you have big chandra in your sideboard do you have like like teamer just has so many options that it's harder to play against zombies at this point where like every deck list is pretty stock even reed dukes when you went 8-0 at the mocks last week it looked like insanely stock to me so that's why I, I i like teamer enjoy teamer and then recommended the list to to our friend william blondin who sadly lost in top eight at the rptq the next day uh, lost in three uh my condolences uh but he, he gets to skip the entire uh modern format i guess uh brian do you, do you feel like uh the When people say the standard format is sort of like modern, do you agree with that in a way that there's like so many decks with so many different
2: close percentages or no? So I I think modern kind of lacks the capability to be solved, whereas this format just hasn't been solved. It's not exactly like modern where, um, you know, the card pool is just too large and there's too many viable strategies that operate upon different axes to consider to actually solve the format. This one just is very complicated. And I'm telling you, like, on my facebook page right now open in chat i have messages going with like six different people who are like what the hell is going on in standard i have no idea what to do like not i'm not talking like bums hitting me up for information i'm talking like really good players who are like i can't figure this out i really have no idea what direction to go in for this rptq and it's like i i've probably played more magic for, in this format than like maybe any format ever just because of my injury and, you know, I started doing a second cast, so I really wanted to be up on all the information. So I've jammed a ludicrous amount of games. And I've, <laughs> I can tell you that basically every other standard format, I felt further ahead than I am now. Like, I always felt like I had an edge, I could always figure things out. And just missing that Moto data is making it so hard for me to get to any kind of, like, metagame conclusions. Like, you go back to this past weekend, and you look at the, the mocks that, you know, Rob and I played, we both played rug. I lost two mirrors, did horribly, but that tournament was absolutely dominated by um, Zombies and mono-red. And then you move on to the PTQ the next day, like 24 hours later, and there's no mono-red, no Zombies, it's just rug in the top eight. Like, what changed over the course of those 24 hours to totally warp the format? And if you go down a little deeper, there's certainly similar threads running through the format. Mono-red's not gone, it just didn't convert in that instance. Um, which makes sense because I found that the matchup with Rug is, is very positive against Mono Red. So you can see why if the top tables are loaded with Rug, it's difficult for Mono Red to break through. But a- as far as like, what I would do right now, my win percentage in leagues with Ramp is like 75%. Every single time I play a PTQ, I flame out. I can't tell you why that is. I mean, I I guess I had the first PTQ where I lost two winnings for top eight, so that was, like, an okay result, and I got a little unlucky. But the two since, I've completely flamed out. And at this point, I've tuned the list to such a point where I don't feel like I have negative matchups. Like, my worst matchup is still, like, mono-red, and I feel like I'm 50% post-board, because I have just, like, insane sideboard cards at this point that I I think are weird, but they're effectively allowing me to to win the matchup post-board. Um, and everything else I feel like fine against like I have good tech against Rug, which was a problem matchup and then you still have like the buys of uh, Blue-White Approach, which you beat very easily, and Zombies, which you beat very easily, um, and Mardu's still super positive, so you have all these good matchups in your back pocket, and I feel like I've gotten the bad ones where I want them but am I confident enough to just like pull the trigger on ramp for this RPQ? I have no idea I think I probably won't know until Saturday morning if I even choose to play this weekend, I, I may wait till next weekend to just get some more information and play the Moto one. Um, so, yeah, this has been a challenge in standard format. Do you have if a real anyone... life one coming up? Yeah, well, I can I can either play the real life one this coming Sunday, I believe, or I can wait till the Moto one next weekend.
1: Okay. Yeah, you have a deadline for uh, emailing them for your Moto one.
2: Yeah, it's the Wednesday before, so yeah. I, I can you I can definitely. Yeah, I've, been, I've come close before. I appreciate the warning. It's been uh, a hit-and-go in the past. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know which one I'm going to do. I honestly don't. I don't think I, at this juncture, I don't think I feel comfortable playing the Sunday one. Plus, my arm is still messed up, so, like, I'd, I'd rather just, like, not deal with that whole thing and maybe I'll just keep clicking away. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't have an answer right now. I don't know what I'm going to end up doing. I, I'm surprised, Brian, because I thought you went through, like, points where, oh, rap is just awful. Um, so, yeah, before I solved these matchups where, like, Rug comes to the forefront, and I'm like, uh, my Rug matchup is really bad. I don't want to take this deck into it. But then I found really good sideboard cards. Like, Neheb is just a house against them. They don't line up well on turn 5 to deal with that card. They can't really kill it short of stop lightnings. Um, and it's, it's really easy to generate an advantage from just having that card on board for one turn, whereas something like Hour of Promise, you just run into their negate, and with their kind of proactive clock, you're really behind from that point. Um, and then Mono Red, I found the starter deck Nyssa, which is a six drop planeswalker that pluses three for three life, uh, starts at five loyalty. So, like, you, you have 11 life gain just stocked up in your planeswalker. Basically, you just go Hour of Devastation into six drop Nyssa, and you can never lose the game from that point. So, Mono Red feels totally fine. And I have, you know, I'm, I'm front loaded with Druid of the Cowl and Sweeper. So, I found all these solutions to my problem matchups. And I, I win all the time in League. My, my win rate is <laughs> preposterous in leagues. Like It's so good with this deck. So I don't know. I, I, don't know. I honestly don't know what to do right now.
0: This appeals to the uh, rogue guy in me. It's
2: like, yes, I get to play with starter deck This and tell everyone that, that that's a yeah. my deck. Yeah, I've like I've gotten over that thing where I have to have weird cards. Like I don't I don't feel that way anymore. Just but these cards are good. They're weird and they're really effective at their jobs. And I'm happy to have found them. And only by playing, I mean you guys know I've been playing Ramp since day one of this format. I have so right. many Ramp games under my belt. And only by playing so many games, I kind of understand that this is what you're looking for in the matchup. And I think they're kind of unintuitive in a lot of spots. Like I hated Neheb as a card. I didn't want it anywhere near my deck. But it's just awesome in that matchup. It's a bad main deck card, but it's a great sideboard card against rug. Um, so, yeah. I, I wish I had better answers. I, I really don't know at this point, though.
0: So good. I mean, I... I was uh, messaging you guys while waiting for my top four matchup, and it's like, I'm like, it's either Blue-White Monument or Blue-White god pharaoh, and it's just like, there's just so many decks, and I face, I think, a different deck uh, every round for, for my tournament, and... But now um, Rob was excited, at least before I talked to him right before the show about a, a new brew that he had shared with, with our Facebook group, but he seems to be on a losing streak. So, Rob, uh, but, but no one's <laughs> going to play that deck that you hate. That, that's, that's a bad matchup, rather.
3: Uh, yeah, I don't know. You never know. Like, Modern Red's not a great matchup, um, just because, like, you're just trying to go more into the late game. So, yeah, what I brewed up was kind of like a new take on Mardu that I thought might be better positioned because it just tries to go over top of all the decks that are trying to go over top of all the mid-range decks. Um, so it just has a much better late game. So the, the Mardu early game is just <laughs> surprisingly not good enough to compete with the early game of, of stuff like Mono Red already, right? So there's really no point in, uh, in being there. Um and yeah, I just like ran up against like blue black zombie control or whatever the deck is going to be called. And it just rolled me three matches in a row, like match one, match two, match three, and I'm out. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I had like a really good run up, in, up until then. I was like, uh, five Oh four one, four one, four one. And then I was like, Oh three. And I get back in and I, 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 um, play against mono red and I lose like a tight one in three and then I play against blue black I lose and then I play against teamer and I'm just like mole mole and I lose and I was like okay I need I need
0: a break that's <laughs> <laughs> not a thing in real life though I don't think no I don't think so either but um dude it might so, be that deck is after,
3: yeah after I played against it I was like okay at first I was like oh this is just that stupid reanimator deck uh, and then like when I played against it again I was like okay this is not that stupid reanimator deck. <laughs> I'm like, is this a real deck and I like, you know, went fishing and uh and there was a bunch of results that were posted like uh within the last week uh with blue black zombies, I guess if you want to call it that. And it's uh it's kind of a pretty sweet list. It has a lot of different ways that it can progress the game. Um and it's able to control a lot of like the important threats in the format. So I think um since Doug borrowed all of my Teamer deck, <laughs> I might uh, take that blue-black deck for a spin oh, uh, after the cast actually and see some GP it has <laughs> yeah. I,
2: have a, I
1: have a question for you, Rob. Sure. You, you mentioned a, your Marty list is like a bigger Marty list. The are biggest. You, <laughs> are you talking about like what the old Marty like vehicle decks would cyborg into with the oaths and the planeswalkers and that kind of stuff?
3: No, no, that's that's way smaller. I, I'm talking about. I, I got seven drops in my deck.
1: Is it called? Is it Bruna?
3: <laughs> no, no, it's not. Oh. Uh, it's not that late game. I, I don't think that that late game's uh, very good right now. There's just like a, enough exile effects that, like, because people need to play like Magma Spray and Cast Out and Never Return and Kalidus in the main deck because of Zombies and Mono Red, just like you're you're never getting Brazella. It's just never gonna happen. <laughs> And everyone's just running a braid in harness lightning as well, which makes Gisela like not as sure. good as uh, as it should be for four men. Anyways, If it was a three-four. Then maybe the whole strategy is, is a little bit Game different.
1: One. Yeah. No,
3: my my, uh, my seven drop is a black card.
1: <laughs> oh dear, I've been enchanted before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm having memories about uh, like GB Toronto because that was your. What well, was Esper, though? That was Esper Dragons. Yeah. I mean, if um, I could
3: play Ojo right now, KYT, I would play is High in a heartbeat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I had mentioned that I, I was impressed by Blueback decks. Uh, I was really impressed by Scarab God to the point... Uh, is it prominent in all the lists? All uh, the list yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, it's all running like at least two, and uh, it's very, very strong. I actually saw a teamer list that was just uh, had like a swamp and like a Blooming Marsh, I think in their deck, and they splash for one or two Scarab Gods. And I was like,
0: oh, that looks interesting. <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I was personally tempted. I was looking for if anyone was already tried it, like zombies. Because people have tried black-white zombies before. I was trying to see, if, theoretically, if blue-black or Scarab God would make sense. But I just couldn't think of like, any other blue cards. That I would
2: want, so I didn't it even try to. zombies play. list were blue black. Like, that was, that was the deck that found prominence <laughs> first. It did well in, like, the first Moto PTQ. I think it finished second. But it, it just had Scarab God and two Gates. And, like, the cost to your mana base is astronomical. Like, the yeah. difference between having all untapped lands and playing. Plus, they play that 4 4 4 split, which is. I'm so convinced. I've asked Jarvis to work on this for me for a while now, and he has no results, so I'm going to yell at him. <laughs> I am convinced that mathematically that four, four, four dual land split in the the two color decks is just wrong. I don't think it's optimal. I, I think you're costing yourself huge percentage points by going four, four, four. I think you need reduced numbers of the um, comes into play taft if you don't have two basics. I think that needs to go down. And I think the like the choked estuary line, like the revealer card, I, I think that's probably Overrepresented at four as well. I think in a quest to make mana bases optimal, people have actually made them worse by jamming just four, four, four. And I think it's just people being lazy and people haven't thought about it enough. Um, but I can't tell you how often that crappy—if uh, you don't have two basic land—comes into play tapped when you have a four, four, four mana base. It just doesn't work. Um, so by both reducing that land and increasing your number of basics, you're making subsequent copies better. Um, so, so I would explore that if I was looking to go into the blue-black kind of range but the, the blue-black reanimator list is intriguing because I, I just 4-1 to League with the, the bug reanimator list. And that is one of the most poorly built decks I've ever seen. Basically, it splashes green for Traverse. So mm-hmm. it's splashing green for its mana fixing.
1: You got an Ishkana on there. You, you have, have one, one.
2: Ishkana or something, but right? That's, <laughs> so free. that's so free in that deck. Like, you can just play... I would be totally comfortable in that deck playing just, like, four green sources and still having one Ishkana. And I do think the Ishkana is important because and and you do see when you play a game with this deck, I, almost all of my games I win with like ten cards in my library. You just play the game forever. Your Champion of Witsing, your Oath of Jace, your strategic planning. You do filter through a tremendous amount of your library. It's not important that you're able to draw the card when you want it. It's just important that it exists and you have that strategic option at some point in the game. Go get Ishkana. So I would be very comfortable just having an Ishkana in my blue-black list with like four green duels. And maybe you could even talk me into, if those four green duels were like damaging our mana that much, you could talk me into playing it with no green sources in the deck, and I don't think it would be unreasonable. I just think like the first few green sources are free enough that you're willing to tolerate them. But as it stands, the bug, the bug lists are built very poorly, so I think a well-built, optimized, just straight blue black list, maybe with a couple lands for Ishkana, that's the only green card I really want. Um... It could be very powerful. I was, I was very impressed by the deck. And despite the fact that, like, just struggling with my mana throughout the entire game and, and trying to get it online, if you can get that problem sorted out, and the easiest way to do so is by abandoning green, I think the deck definitely has potential. And it sideboards into a control ish deck really well. Like, it, it kind of is able to alter its game plan very fluidly. Um, as you've seen from these blue black kind of hybrid lists. You can play a very nice control game when you have access to Champion you know, to end of Wits and all that card draw and card filtering. And, and Liliana is just a fine card even when you're cut off from your graveyard a lot of the time. So, uh, yeah, the deck has a lot of potential. It's kind of, like, piqued my interest. I don't know if I want to pour the time into it at this point. But if there was a candidate for a deck that deserves to have time poured into it, it would, it would be that one.
0: Hmm. Something to work with, Dan. I don't know what you're gonna try in your next week. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm hesitant to uh, to I, you know, I got five days or whatever. Right? It's still Saturday is what I'm, I'm playing, so four days. I don't know how much time cool. I got. We'll <laughs> I'm not too worried about it.
0: What's the What's the most natural Tron deck of
2: <laughs> Tron, Tron deck? To
1: Brian, you have a, you said you have a very well tuned ramp ramp deck, right? Maybe I should uh, get up on that.
2: It's worth looking at, maybe. I, I just want the thing is, whenever I give to anyone else, they're like, Yeah, I 5 this league. And I'm like, Great, I finally figured it out. And then I bring that list in, my next league, and I go like 1 3, and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> just they're better than me. I don't know what to say. So
1: that sounds, sounds perfect. I don't know what you mean.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it will work out really well for you. Don't worry about
3: it. <laughs> yeah, Brian's got a really good track record of uh, giving people deck lists that they go undefeated with.
2: <laughs> yeah, I never win. It never works out for me, but everyone I give a deck to it just like crushes it every time. So.
1: I see no issue with this.
2: Yeah, it works out really well.
0: Rob, I don't know why you want to sw- uh, switch at all. Like, no one is, well, no one. I, I, maybe the Toronto RPTQ will be different. I'm already so, queued. See, I'm not even playing the RPTQ. Oh, what are you playing?
3: I'm not. I'm just I'm just. Oh. You know, doing my research for the nation. Oh, sweet. And,
0: uh, <laughs> I just think people who play, like, in real life won't see... Unless it... They just won't see blue-black, so I think your deck is still very... Like, I would play your that, deck. That's if, fine, too, though. Like, if they won't see blue-black, like,
3: this deck could be very good. I'm not 100% sure, but when I played against it, it feels like they just always have something to do. Like, their early interaction is good, and then when you're not doing anything, they just get to filter cards and build their board presence. And then their late game is also just, like, unbeatable, right? Because they just have, like, Noxious Gear Hulk and Liliana with Scarab God and stuff like that. Getting Champion of Wits back out of the bin and drawing cards with uh, Cryptbreaker and stuff. Like, the the deck seems sweet. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Not not to harp on this too much, but I played... Uh, in the same league where I was playing the Bug Reanimator list, m- I was playing against Teamer, and in two games in a row, my opponent went turn 2, Servant of the Conduit, turn 3, Chandra, Ultimate Chandra on time. Like, just plus, 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 plus ultimate. And I beat the Emblems easily in both those games. Like, it wasn't even close. So that gives you an <laughs> idea of, like, what your late-game power level is like. Like, honestly, they probably should have just never played another creature, so I couldn't use my Noxious Gearhulks, but then they're not getting their 5 damage from Chandra, so it's worthless anyway.
3: You gotta
2: yeah. get that value. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's it was very impressive what their late game is like. It's super powerful.
0: <laughs> um, I'm gonna start this other topic with with Rob first. I know Brian sometimes hate when I <laughs> fish for topics from Twitterverse, but uh, just a couple of days ago, roughly a week, Aaron Forsythe had tweeted, "Have been on vacation, so I miss at." FFF Freak MTG, Brad Nelson's top deck at GP Minneapolis. But I saw there was drama. We need to be more okay with outward emotion. And then there was a debate between like Owen, Huey, Ari Lax, David Williams, a bunch of people about what's crossing the line. Some say it's okay not to go nuts, but then some people say you should try to keep your emotion in check. And in fact, Huey said – Uh, when playing Magic at a high level, you train yourself to not show emotion in-game. It can be hard to toggle that on and off. And, yeah, I think Dave's just... Dave Williams saying, well, you know, whatever. It's just okay. Like, people are being over... I think... I don't want to paraphrase him, but it feels like he thinks people are just being oversensitive about this. Uh, Rob, you said, like, you try to be or you are emotionless before and after a win.
3: Yeah, so I think... uh... With everything in Magic, people are just over sent There's a, a large group of vocal people that are overly sensitive on a, a very wide range of issues. Like, I, I constantly see people say, like, oh, the Magic is toxic and all this kind of garbage. And it's like, I don't know where you guys are hanging out, but <laughs> I just... I, I don't know why you think that. Like I agree that there are Magic players that are that are toxic human beings, as there are, like, human beings in all groups that are to- toxic, right? I don't think we, like, exclusively have you know, the most toxic people or, or by a high percentage, I think on average we're like way more tolerant than a lot of other social circles. Right. And it's very surprising that this is something people don't want to be tolerant about. Right. They're like, Oh no. Like, you know, he overreacted and it was like distasteful. Right. I mean, if you look at like his emotions and the way he, he like kind of slammed the walking ballista down, it was like, like slightly leaning towards, um, you know, distasteful, I guess. But also, it's kind of like locking him for top eight, I, I believe, right? It was also like a-, a super tight match, and he was like just, you know, trying to draw to this walking ball stuff for like four or five turns, and when he saw it, he just like slammed it down on the table and then tapped his mana and pointed at his opponent, which I, I-, I think is fine. Like, I-, I-, I slammed the table before, like almost causing an entire earthquake for like everyone that's sitting in the matches beside me and, uh, and gotten a warning for it from a judge <laughs> because like, you just, you just kind of like, you want to be pumped about, about your win sometimes. And I think it's fine for people to do that. You're not like, as long as you're not like taunting your opponent afterwards, right. Unless you know them, like if I play Doug again and it's a win and in for a GP top eight or something, I'll definitely taunt him. Uh, if I beat him after the match, just just for the lulz. But, I mean, I don't think that's people's intention, right? So, like, uh, a lot of the people that have a problem with this, they put a bad intention in the perpetrator, if you want to call its mind, which, like, doesn't really exist, right? They're just excited, and they just, you know, act completely impulsively. And I think that's fine, and I think we should allow that. (laughs) Otherwise, like, everyone's just a magic card-playing robot um and i'm not sure like if moto further propagates this like emotional uh type of response when you're winning and losing because you like really don't see that your opponent's like dancing around in their underwear jumping on their bed or whatever after they they crush you for winning in um in, in top eight of a mox or something like that not not saying that i've done that but uh, <laughs> i imagine someone has um but yeah i don't know the whole discussion is kind of ridiculous to be honest um I think people just had nothing to bitch about,
0: so that was the topic of the week. <laughs> <laughs> the, lo- the local community for-, for here in Montreal, there's a lot of people who are like, ma- like they play both Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! and think Yu-Gi-Oh! as like the worst community ever. <laughs> I see Dad nodding his head. But it's yeah. a
3: younger crowd, right? It makes sense. like that They're just going to be more immature on average, uh, I think.
1: Definitely. And the force of, force of Will people come from mostly yu gi Oh, so I get a lot. Of, I've, I've seen a lot of that myself. And they're, like you said, they're all super young, well, younger than most Magic players. And they, they just, they're all so entitled, and they're, yeah, it's bad.
0: <laughs> so you, you've had those experiences of playing all these different games. What about Pokemon, though?
1: Well, Pokemon is a much more uh, kid-friendly game. It's more, uh, they've got their, you know, they've got their Master's League, which is, I think they're six. It's 16 plus. They've got their, like, 13 to 16 15 year old range and they've got their below like teenager range. So, you, uh the whole game is designed and the competitive scene itself is designed to accommodate children and their parents. So, that's the most like PR friendly game there is essentially. Uh, Magic uh, is definitely probably right behind that one and then I think Force Will and I think Yu-Gi-Oh is in my opinion the bottom <laughs> <laughs> of the big these are like the big 4, right? I don't know what else, you know, epic and all these other weird card games. I don't know. I, never, I my, This is my extent. I've never even played Yu-Gi-Oh, honestly, but I've known enough about their community.
0: <laughs> Why not? Why yeah. not? You played every other game under the sun.
1: I just never, never got into it. I was, I was playing Magic and Pokemon first, and then took a big break. uh started playing Magic again mostly, and then uh, the the company I work with uh, we just got really big into Pokemon, so I came back into that. And then Force of Will popped up, and I started playing that. Uh, I never really played Pokemon competitively, but I've friends with a good amount of competitive Pokemon players. So I get to hear all the stories, but um, yeah, I think we got it pretty good here in magic and we should not be uh, worried about it. I mean, I like exactly what you said, Rob, you know, mostly you don't want to show any emotion in your games. You want to, you know, you want to conceal as much information as possible. That's the whole point of being emotionless. It's not because you want to be a robot or because you hate feelings because you don't want to give anything away. That's the whole point. Um, there's, there's, there's a subtext to that where you should try and maybe sometimes in some situations uh, feign and try and give some idea into your opponent's head, but that's a, that's like levels, levels below. This is where Brad's probably playing pretty calm the whole time, not getting frustrated, not getting excited, and then when he knows he's got an opponent dead, boom, he does his thing. So, yeah, I can understand that, and we should show emotion when it's there's cause for it. Uh, you don't want to be, like you said, a robot. Uh, even though he did play a robot to kill his opponent, so. <laughs> fair enough.
3: I mean, in in the team series, like people don't get this kind of offended, right? Like when um, I forget what team it was, like when they peeled that uh, bonfire of the dams mm. to be the Americans or whatever, they like like people jumped out of their skin, right, <laughs> screaming, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, can you believe it? That was so exciting!" Like Brad does this, and he just gets like lynched online for it. It's kind of the same thing, right? There's just like no one around him to also cheer with
0: him, so people <laughs> think he's being a dick, which I think is inappropriate. Dan, how did you cheer your, your uh, two top eight and one win uh, <laughs> these
3: past two uh,
1: weeks? Yeah, I was very, I was really calm. I let my friends do the cheering for me. I, I don't know. I, I was the first one. I was I was locked at like round 13, so I had a couple of rounds to to do whatever I wanted with. That was fun. Uh, yeah i don't i don't get too i don't get too emotional or excited i i just uh i just play the games and let what good happen happens or bad or bad or whatever um yeah i just if my opponent beats me i get screwed or whatever i i try not to you know what really sucks is when you do well and your opponent is so upset uh that you can't enjoy it and so i try and never give my opponents that experience that would you know that's not fun for them and it's not gonna it's already not fun for me why make it not fun for them that's not fair so uh yeah, I don't I don't I what Brad did in that matchup I personally don't think I've I've done. At least not to someone I didn't know. If it was a friend and we were jostling around the whole time, yeah. that's a different story. But um yeah, I don't think I don't think I would have done that. Uh but I don't know. I didn't draw the ballista. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Brian, you're two sets. <laughs> I I have some strong agreement and strong disagreement. I would say that yeah, the communities Absolutely great for me because I'm a white male, and no shit, it's gonna be great for me. <laughs> like, what do you expect? Everything's great for me. That's the way it works. So I, that's not really my concern, though. It's it's really crappy for a lot of other people. I have in the past had a girlfriend who played Magic. I brought her to a tournament. She went once, would never go back again. So yes, my experience is great. I'm happy to have all my friends. I think the people who rail against the problems in the community. Um, If they are white males, probably aren't doing it for themselves. They're doing it for the other people who are experiencing these crappy scenes. And I have seen it too many times um, and it sucks. So uh, that's that's my point of disagreement as far as the agreement. I can't. I can't believe people were upset about this. Like, this is the dumbest thing to be upset about in the entire world. He was like the only thing I would draw the line at in terms of celebration is he. He was aggressive towards his opponent in some way, right? Like he slammed the card down and like kind of checked his opponent, like got in his face. Okay, that sucks. Like you can't. You can't be aggressive towards the person you're playing with. You can't make them uncomfortable. His celebration was entirely self-contained. Honestly, if he jumped up and down and like you know ran around like an idiot. I wouldn't have a problem with that either as long as he's not, you know, impacting the enjoyment of the other person playing the game by making them feel unsafe or making them feel like they're being targeted. Do whatever you want, celebrate however you want, and that's like if you want your game to be successful and to be a good spectator sport, which I think like most magic players want that to grow, they should anyway. I mean, if you want more money for your tournaments, you want it to be a better spectator sport, then you have to embrace the emotion behind spectator sport and you know, seeing, seeing us sit there, I don't want to look at myself. I'm, I'm sick of seeing myself right now. So, like, just seeing me sit there silently playing Magic is not compelling television. Like, nobody wants to watch that. So a little bit of emotion goes a long way towards making things seem exciting and making the viewers engaged. And I think that people railing against this is, they're not doing our game any favors.
3: You don't like watching yourself play magic, Brian I, I watch my match against Doug at least once a month uh, I,
2: I always I do go back and watch my games more because like it's like I, I want to think about what might have been and like how much I embarrassed myself and <laughs> in the few spots where I occasionally play very well, I like to kind of take solace in those good moments too, and like, oh, maybe I'm not actually as bad at this game as I think I am uh, so so I use it for all kinds of psychological self help but uh, as far as just, like, the joy and seeing myself, no, I'd, I'd rather not, to be honest with you.
0: All right, that wraps up that topic, and uh, Dan, we're just gonna uh, let you go here. Thank you so much for being on our no, show. No, wait, wait,
3: wait, 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 I have a, I have a question. I feel like Dan sure. has, like, a really good bad beat story <laughs> from a few years ago that he should share with us. Uh, I think,
1: I think you, should, you should lead us into that. <laughs> Rob, go ahead.
3: <laughs> so, uh, if memory serves me right, this was the last actual real PTQ okay. before they changed the new system, and it was in either Buffalo or Niagara Falls. I can't remember exactly where. I feel like okay. it was in. Those are both places I would go. It was, I feel like it was in Buffalo, and uh, a friend of mine uh, played you in the last round. You're both on a win and in, oh, was and, he uh, win. No, no, this was limited. This was Theros limited. Okay. And uh, he played so miserably and then just haphazardless. You were playing green-white, if I remember correctly, and he, was, he said he was playing around Voyage's End uh, from you. <laughs> and I, and I made him apologize for playing so poorly and beating you for, for the win, and end. I don't know if you recall that. I do not recall, and I think okay. he, I he think, was very lucky
1: to, thank goodness I don't.
3: to have, sk- <laughs> have, have skated through that match and beat you. Um, so lucky, in fact, that in the finals, his opponent just conceded the win to him, and he was able to go to the PT. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, I've had uh, that
1: happen a multitude of times where was I would be hot. the top eight, and I would lose <laughs> the first round, and then next round the guy would just concede because he wanted to boon board booster boxes or something. And uh, no one cared about the PT invite. The good times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I had
3: to throw that dagger. Now that's you can okay. leave. <laughs> I, I've,
1: I've certainly forgotten about it. <laughs> Many more daggers have been thrown since then. Thank you so much for your time, Dad.
0: Like, where can people find you? And are there any projects you want to plug? Uh, go right ahead.
1: Uh, I have a, a Twitter. Uh, I don't know if that's here. and the, uh, There's links. We're on YouTube, right?
0: YouTube, uh, but we'll, we'll, I'll have links to it in the show notes. So okay.
1: I have a—I don't know. I, we do a pretty big YouTube channel for Pokemon, but it's just openings and stuff. It's just a just a, a pretty casual based thing uh, called Dariums uh, I can send you some text for that if you want. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not too big on the social media. Uh, I, have, I have a Twitter. I don't. I Snapchat my girlfriend, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But you guys don't need about that. <laughs> Yeah, just, just a dude. Just a dude. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have any like sponsored whatever or anything. I'm not big into that kind of thing.
0: Uh, you were on a... Uh, in that last article, you were on a, a PT team. What's like, like the last ProTour team you were on?
1: Uh, I tested with... Uh, it was, we were, I don't know what our official name was. I think we were sponsored by Car, MTG Card Market. Um, right, right. And uh, the team we just called a grumpy old man. And it was like Shaheen Sarani... Uh, Chris Fennell, Craig Wesco, myself, uh, Joe Lassette, uh I'm, I'm, I'm going to forget some names. Charles Lee, Ray Totic. Uh, there was 10 people. Ely Cassis. Um, but yeah, it was just like 10 people that were qualified and we were all like 30-ish. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we called ourselves a Grumpy Old Men. Uh, and that, I, I don't know. There was an article written at the Australian GP right before that PT that I think you might be referencing. But I don't know.
2: Brian, uh, yeah, Brian
0: you should apply for this team, but it doesn't exist anymore. I might,
2: I might be over the age limit. I don't know. I, might, I, might be, uh...
1: I was, I was, uh, I'm 32 right now and I was one of the younger ones.
2: So. Oh, so maybe that would make a, a good home there.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, would you be excited to make it back to the PT uh, with their team series? Do you think you, you'd get to be, to be on the team? Or would you
1: have to like start your own thing? Do you mean, uh, do you mean like with the uh, the team? pro tour they're going to have that's a multi-format one or do you mean, is there, are they redoing the six-man team series as well?
0: I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob I think they're still doing the, the six-man thing for the next season
3: Yeah, there's like some unofficial changes coming, I think, though and things are, are going to get really weird. Like, I heard that uh, you have to have your team absolutely selected by the first PT, so if you like, don't qualify till the second one, you just get rolled Oh, that's stupid. Series. So, this
1: that's next the is the PT where they figure out the winner of the team thing, right? That they go head to head yeah. or something.
3: Yeah, and then you um, also need to have like, your jerseys uh, like, definitely represented at that event. So, <laughs> you need to have all your stuff straightened out
1: immediately. At, 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 at Ixalon or at Rivals of yeah. Ixalon? At Ixalon. Oh, Ixalon, you have to know. Wow. Yeah, okay. exactly. You have to know.
3: You have to like. You have to come ready to battle. All right. So gotcha. It's, gotcha. I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. I have heard that through through the grapevine, though. I'm not okay. like gold or anything, so I don't. I'm not like in the know, sure, <laughs> so sure. to speak.
1: But uh... yeah. So, so I don't know. I thought that that six man team series didn't really excite the masses too much. I don't know. Uh, I could be wrong, but I, I didn't think it was too riveting of a plot or storyline or coverage line or whatever you want to call it. But uh. I like the team pro tour. That sounds really fun. So I'm not too worried about maybe the team, like the, the the team six man thing that doesn't intrigue me as much as the other, the actual team pro tour would be quite intriguing, I think, and fun to play in.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I think the team series was good for like maybe 18 people, like where (laughs) they, they, each of those teams, uh, were able to carry like two people each to a Mm -hmm. PT invite that they wouldn't otherwise get, and oh, yeah. otherwise it was just
0: a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Shaheen, your boy Shaheen, they ditch, he ditched his original crew. He announced uh, in his, one of his latest articles that he jumped to Team uh, Card Hoarders instead of Team Lingering Souls. Well, and...
1: Yeah, I think some people on his team were, were ditching him, actually. Oh! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Penel, Penel uh, hit gold and was looking for an all-gold team, of which Shaheen is not uh uh their best player was like one of their least known players uh, at the time uh Donald and, smith. and don smith yeah. Oh, yeah uh he was you know of the people on that roster you would expect to do well he was like fifth probably um then just you know top eight, and and just does extremely well the whole season hits platinum i think he's going to worlds right like uh yeah so those guys don't want him any don't want a little shaheen anymore you know
0: kind of sad because Lingering Souls I like the name. It's like all the people that nobody wants and he, the team that nobody wants doesn't want Shaheen Surani.
1: That's Shaheen's <laughs> life. Yeah. Oh
0: man, that's terrible.
1: <laughs> he would be fine.
0: Alright, Dan, thank you so much for your time and sure. uh, we'll catch you. I'm, I feel like we're going to have you at some point in the future so uh, hope to see you again soon.
1: Alright, take care guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers. No Um, Brian, actually to
0: continue with that, since you, you were you, you know, you're an esports guy. Were you also disappointed or,
2: or do you see some future in this uh, the team series? I see, I saw you shaking your head over there. Yeah, it hasn't done much for me. I, I kept being like, let's wait and see, let's give it a chance, let's see if it gets exciting. But like I got annoyed by the graphics. Like they just showed the same graphics over and over. They focused on it to like the exclusion of other things that were going on, despite the fact that like it's pretty locked up going into the last pro, like it was just a non-story going into the last event. And that shows me that like their numbers are off because you want to do it. So it stays interesting the entire time. And the fact that they were able to lock it up for the last pro tour made it uninteresting. And then the final is team sealed. Like I I like team sealed, but this is a weird decision for a way to play the final. Like it's not a very camera friendly um, conclusion to this team series that has been occupying our time for, you know, almost a year now. Yeah. So I, I think they kind of fumbled the execution. I think there's a place for it. Uh, from what Rob is talking about, it sounds like they're doubling down on it and trying to get real formal with it. Um, so we'll see what they do this time. But it hasn't, it, it hasn't come to bear like I hoped it would. It really hasn't added anything to the Pro Tour for me whatsoever. It, it hasn't been a story. Uh, and it's actually just been annoying because they've tried to make it a story so badly. So.
0: Hmm. Sad. I think. I think Rob agrees, and uh, we'll wrap our show with this last topic, which is a huge shout out. I hope I don't butcher your name to Corel Rodriguez, one of our boys in the nation who qualified for the PT with Rob. Um, is going to be joining Rob at the PT, as I would say. And it was funny because both me and Rob thought he had queued at an RPTQ. And it turned out he was even more badass than that. He actually qualified at GP Birmingham. Like the Sunday PTQ where there's like 256 players, only like different flights, flights of 32, all leading to just one winner. And after battling out, I think it was mostly probably sealed to get there. He won the top eight draft, crushed everyone, uh, drafting the blue-red deck that we've been preaching, uh, starting with Brian. Um, and he only had 15 minutes to, I guess, read up on the archetype. And but he had read a lot of Brian Rob Daggerforce thoughts in our in our forum to to be able to have some idea of how to draft it. Drafted it, felt it was okay, but took it down. And he felt I think he felt his deck was was still pretty sweet. So wow, that was, yeah, he posted it. It was like.
3: Not definitely not the best version of the deck I've seen, but like it was fine. Like he had two Spellweaver Eternals and like a, a bunch of spells, and and then like the rest of your deck is kind of like uh, doesn't matter too much if if you're just like kind of running hot and getting to play Spellweaver on turn two. And he had just like a, a reasonable curve that kind of went up to uh, to five if I remember correctly. So he had he had some reach, and he had some really uh, some good two drops and some some good interaction, and that's just kind of really what the deck needs. It it's a very simple deck to build, and it can be good in so many different ways, <laughs> which is why I've only drafted Blue Red in the last, like, I don't know, six or seven drafts I've drafted. And I know people in real life that have only drafted Blue Red as well, and they're just always winning.
2: <laughs> I can't think of a better archetype for someone who's doing their first draft in the format, right? Like, it's, it's yeah. really hard for that deck to go bad. You almost end up, almost always end up with a competitive version of the deck because it is so deep. Those are the two deepest colors. Um and it's like you said, it's very simple to draft. There's not really a, a high complexity curve. Like you just get your two drops, you get your ways to force through damage. Um, and yeah, his deck was a very medium version of the archetype. Like certainly not one of the top ones I've seen. But I when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, this could win. I mean, it's totally plausible that this deck could, could take down a top eight. Especially, you know, if, if the draft yet... we've all been in train wreck drafts, right? Like where just nobody has a good deck. I remember my I was in pod one at Pro Tour Origins. That was the biggest train wreck draft I've Ever seen like just nobody had a good deck in the entire pod, and there was no good deck to be had. Um, it happens once in a while, and and maybe in this case, you know that was maybe a little little bit weaker pod, and he still ended up with a totally fine deck and and took it down. Uh, I have to say that when I started doing this podcast, I. Didn't think that this would be my favorite part of it, like seeing these people succeed and people like find, uh, you know, uh, it it wasn't that I didn't foresee being able to help people. It's just I didn't think it would affect me so much. But it means a lot more to me that these people succeed than even I succeed. I'm happier to see someone from the nation get up. You you say he's been playing for 23 years and got his first Pro Tour invite. That's incredible. It's such an amazing experience and such a great thing to be part of. Um, and you know, I, I couldn't be happier and it definitely makes coming here every week and doing this totally worth it. So,
3: yeah, a- absolutely. And then like the extra like hours we, we put into like, you know, making coherent thoughts <laughs> in the Facebook group. It's like, okay, good. And this is not just us like, uh, echo chambering ourselves. <laughs> like these things are, are working out outside of the general public too. Like, uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> my wife when, when, uh, when Carell um, posted that uh, that message in the group, I was just like, yes! And she's like, what, what happened? And I was like, oh, someone came for the PT." <laughs> she's like, oh, I thought it was much more exciting for us. <laughs> you no,
0: know, it's just exciting for me. <laughs> I love it. I, it's sweet. I, it's sweet. I felt so happy for him, especially when he wrote. It took him 23 years. Um, you know, it's just like, so this just happened after playing for 23 years. I'm going to a pro tour. Thanks to the nation for telling me to draft blue red and a red drafted to the left and a Grixis drafted to the right. The deck wasn't optimal and still won. Amazing deck. I'm so excited. I uh, wish I could meet him, wish I could join him in, in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, but Rob will get to meet him. Um, and uh, he even messaged me. I just said congrats and he thanked thanked our team and said, and I really mean it, without being part of this amazing group of people you've gathered, I have not won. So really appreciate the than kind words. I told him personally that you know, it was probably 1% nation, 99% you. So uh, super, like, to even get through to the top eight draft uh, is a feat in itself, and then you ended up winning. Corral, you crushed it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't been this happy for someone doing well for a long time, I felt. I really like Rob. I was just like this emphatic yes when I when I read that message. So, um, which leads to sort of our, our last question, which is again, I feel like we did this question before. Some other author has, was was talking about this, but there's now talk that our is the best draft format ever. How would it rank? <laughs> It's just the first posture, just people writing hyperbole just for for the sake of it. I mean, we come up with with topics, but we come up with topics that people come up with, and we don't try to be, like, exaggerated. We just tell us people are real thoughts, but people are actually throwing, like, using hyperbole, like, to the extreme. Uh, Rob, you're just laughing like crazy. Just crazy? Just crazy?
3: Yeah. I mean, this is nowhere close to the best format. I mean, I don't think it's a bad format. Um... It's just nowhere near uh, the best. I feel like um, the mechanics of of hour, though are are really good, and if you were to somehow like take away hour and Amenket and come back with just a single set, like how they're going to do design in the future, I feel like you would have had the opportunity to to have one of the best draft formats uh, ever because there's obviously like some stuff in Amenket that they save for hour right and when you do that, like the first set is going to suffer a little bit, but then you have some interesting new things to do in the second set. Um, but then, like your synergies and the interesting the cards that you were like very fond of in the first set are like less pronounced, right? Like you just can't have the quadruple gustwalker deck unless you're a real sack. Um, now, it's <laughs> like, the whole red white archetype is just like really took a beating actually uh, with with hour of devastation. So I, I think again, this is like. The same reason why a lot of the pros liked uh, Rise of the Eldrazi is that there are there's a a deck that they like to play, and so that they say this is a very good format. And that deck is five color green or four color green or whatever, right? Because there's like a lot of sweet uh, fixing and, and ramp cards um, that are easy to get that are low priority for a lot of novice drafters, which allows them to get a deck that just slams like you know everywhere. And then that deck is definitely good. I mean, I I just like. Don't like to rely on having to open good rares or get good rares passed to me, so I mostly stay out of the archetype when I'm drafting and and stick to blue red, which is like more consistently a seven but less likely to be a 10. Um, but yeah, there's just like so many miserable color pairs where like you really need to get lucky to have a a good version of the deck. Like red, white, uh, even blue, white is like not great, blue, black is like kind of meh. Green-red is meh. <laughs> so, I don't know. To say this is like one, one of the all-time greats is uh, ludicrous. But I think it has all of the puzzle pieces that if you combine the two sets and make them into a one large set that, yeah, you probably could have one of the, the best draft sets. Uh, um, I think, I think it's, it's close to that, but definitely not double-hour single-almengue. almond
2: <laughs> Ryan, what's your take? Ludicrous as well? I don't know. I don't, I don't even feel like making this comparison. Like, can we just enjoy the draft format? Like, I'm fine with just being like, I like this or I don't like this. But trying to place it in like the pantheon of past draft formats, it's very difficult. They're obviously all different. I think this format did a lot of things right. I think that cycling lands should be evergreen. We should just always have cycling lands. It, it makes this the limited format so much better. It's such a difference maker, and I don't think it really hurts gameplay by having a limited number of cycling lands. I, I mean, I. I'm not looking for wholesale changes to Magic Rules where all lands should cycle. I think it's just a good strategic wrinkle when you have access to cycling lands. And, you know, in different formats, there'll be different contexts of how highly you draft the cycling lands, how important it is to have that flexibility in your deck. They should just always be there. It, it adds a lot to the format. Um, I, I don't know if Wizards will ever come around to that, but I don't think it, like, their concern would be things that are too homogenous, right? Things are too similar. Every draft format feels the same. I don't think just having cycling lands would do that. Um, I think that these formats will still retain their own unique personalities despite the presence of lands that cycle. Um, So, this is kind of like my little aside, which isn't answering your question at all. But this is what I actually feel strongly about is that I really like cycling events. And I don't know where this format ranks. It's fine. I've enjoyed my time with it. I'm not really (laughs) drafting it anymore. Um, I've moved on to standard. So well, you're I, drafting
3: just online. I mean, you're playing just online, really, right, Brian? So, like, you actually yeah. can't draft it because you'd just be lighting tickets on fire.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I um, think you need,
3: like, an 80-something percent win percentage to not be negative. Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't, I don't, if it was good, I would happily do that. Like, I don't really care. I would, I would incinerate my tickets. And it, I guess it is good, but it's not... It hasn't compelled me to keep playing now that I don't have any limited events coming up to prepare for, so... I don't know what that says about it. I I did enjoy exploring it, and that's fine. I don't feel the need to rank it anywhere, or say it was, you know, one of the all-time greats. It's just a good format. I enjoyed playing. If you think it's one of the all-time greats for you, so be it. It had one of the all-time great mechanics in Cyclone. That's what I'll say.
0: (laughs) Right, that does it for our show. I'm excited to see... uh these guys doing more standard prep. I'm actually like Brian's guy got convinced. I'm just going to load up my account, rent some, uh, star deck and, and try out the ramp deck. Uh, shout outs to Dan muster for sure. Because I thought he was one of those, like, I enjoyed him on the cast. He was one of those, um, like I thought he was funny, but in, in his own way. So really enjoyed him on the show and, and to get his expertise on the Eldrazi Tron list. So uh, big ups to him. Shout out to our First Strike producers, Jonathan Good, Cal Smirchik, Derek Pyte, Adrian Murchison, Isaiah Carrero. Uh, if you want to check out some of the crazy lists, whether it's Brian's rap list, Rob's uh, super list that he was excited about, broken list before Blue Black Control destroyed him, join the nation at patreon.com slash First Strike. Really, it's just to support the show, to to Help us keep producing what we do. And it's just weird because I I made the post today that we did this like this exclusive access thing just to give. I just really felt like people who are contributing should get some substantial amount of value for their contribution outside of unedited episodes that really take us no effort to do. I really wanted to give them something that is exclusive that people won't get, like the regular listener. But the people in the nation, and of course, Brian, Rob, and Dag, and Doug have contributed to the community greatly. But the, the people have made it way more that, that we've attracted in there, way more than I expected it. And uh, it's just insane that we have a top A. We have people like preparing for the moxes together in there. It's just absolutely insane. And now the modern PPTQ season, like people are just chatting and sharing lists back and forth. So join us in the nation and. Uh, you know, i'll be looking I'll be looking to compete in this b p t q season modern and sharing what I'm playing as well so uh any last words from you guys
3: nope, I agree the nation is sweet and there is so much just like even dialogue between the members um and they all have like the same mindset right like they're all they all have the same goals and uh it's just like a it's just like a good place to like get feedback on on what you're doing and have people discuss it so um, yeah, even like I've just enjoyed watching people talk about stuff. It's, uh, it's sweet. It is much better than going on Reddit, 100%. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Last words, Brian? Yeah, just same thing. If, if you're not unsatisfied with the magic communities you've found, um, you know, I've been a naysayer of the Reddit magic scene for a long time. I would definitely recommend Nation. It's a good spot. I think I, I'm always concerned about people... Getting their money's worth because it's—I it's, mean, it's—it's it's a big strain to contribute that much to you know these 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 lists. And now I do two podcasts, so I make sure I keep my listeners of both podcasts informed, and I have lists flying all over the place. And sometimes it's a little much. And I'll be honest, when I when I start working again, I'll probably have to tone back a little bit in my uh, in my contributions. But to see the the impact it makes, to see the community kind of blossom around that effort, it, it's totally worth it. And uh, it's, it's a really good thing to, to get involved with. If you're just looking for people to talk to magic about, I mean, that's what this is all about, right? Like podcasting, all this stuff. We just want to talk about magic. Like it's what we love. It's what we love doing. And, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel like work to come talk about magic for an hour every week. You know what I'm saying? It's just what I want to do anyway. So And it extends to all these groups. I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. So props to the nation, props to Cycling Land, props to Ulamog, and that's it.
0: All right. And uh, I'll give a quick shout out to Matt Nelson and Kenny Fung in the YouTube chat. <laughs> Rob's going like <laughs> ballistic in there. Props to Ulamog, just got me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Props to Doug Potter. The nation legit caused me to of the GP. It's incredibly legit. Um, but yeah, Doug, you, you just crush it when you're in Toronto. So um, you've got this aura when you're there. <laughs> when you're here. <laughs> So uh, can't can't wait to see you succeed. Hopefully, um, wait who's who? Are we going to nationals? Who's going to nationals? I'm definitely going to nationals. Have you guys like
2: filed that. the petition with the Canadian Consulate yet to get me invited to Canadian nationals? <laughs> I'm still, I'm still waiting to hear back on that. I don't know. Yeah, going
3: my contact hasn't got back to me, Brian. I'll to
2: <laughs> so I guess I'm not going. Uh...
3: <laughs> but you're cute for U.S. nationals, I would suppose, right? What's the. How? How do we use this? 500
2: oh, okay. points. I, I, have that, points. Yeah. I, I have one buy, so I guess that would be enough. 500 for, funny right? monies, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably. I mean, I don't, I don't know when they're scheduled, but I assume I'll be playing.
3: Yeah, ours is sweet because it's in Toronto, if I remember correctly. It's yeah. being run by face. And
2: that's nice and close to where I live, so... <laughs> probably closer than mine, to be honest. I could probably quicker for me to go to Toronto than to go to the uh, US one. So. All
0: right. Uh, we could, and we look forward to seeing Sergio Ferry at the uh, Nationals as well. So I'll, I'll obviously be there. And uh, since it's face-to-face games Toronto, running it, I'm going to get the play, I think, I hope. Don't, I hope Sal's not watching this, but I, I think I'm going to get the play, so... It's going to be awesome um, for for all of us at the nation at for Doug for Vince for the whole team Kyle the editor. We will see you next week.